You're listening to DraftKings Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. To another episode of Darth Amin's Will of Two. I'm Darth Amin, your Sith Lord. I'm joined as always by my Padawan. Excuse me, Padawan. I don't have a ponytail on my neck. <laughs> oh, man. My apprentice, Darth Cornpuzzle, aka Anthony Mays. We're reviewing the Star Wars shows Bad Batch and The Mandalorian. The last two episodes of The Bad Batch came out this week, and Mays didn't got me all the way back in now. Okay. I mean, all the way back in, all the way back in. I'm all in on this show. Look, after they pushed me to the brink, I'm in more than I've ever been. I feel like I could have come in for seven and eight clone conspiracy and then skipped all the way to these two, gotten the four best episodes of this 16 episode season, and I wouldn't have missed too much Um, in between. Exposition. Which they go out of their way to explain again in this episode. Yeah, that's true. Because this was great. If every week was like this, I'd be down. It was everything. The Bad Batch action, the politics. It was tying into the larger story. Easter eggs and cameos. It was stakes. It was everything. It was everything. And I'm not ashamed to say it. Got emotional. You? I got emotional, man. Feelings? Yeah, like a 14-year-old. What gave you feelings, I mean? Oh, man. Let's just cut right to the chase. The death of tech. Mm. Because I'm watching it. I'm watching what's happening. I'm like, okay, how are they going to rescue him? How are they going to save him? Who's going to fly the ship over and catch him? Is Saw Gerrera going to turn back? Shout out to Saw Gerrera who made a great cameo. And then there's the, the moment where I realize, oh, not only is he going to die, he's got to kill himself in order for this thing to work. Sacrifice. Oh, man. I remember watching Rogue One for the first time at the premiere. Look at me, Louie. There it is. You know, the events are ratcheting and ratcheting and ratcheting, and you're like, oh, this can only end one way. These guys running through a hallway with a disc in their hand. Like, I've seen that disc, and I've heard that sound. That, That alarm, I knew what it was. This is the shit. This is, that's why. And I see the princess's ship fly off and Vader standing there watching. I'm like, holy shit, it's happening. It's really happening. And then, of course, we get, what do they give you? And then she said, turns around, says hope and roll credits. In a negative, sadder way, I knew it was, I was like, oh, no. Oh, he's got to do it. And then he says, plan 99. And we find out what plan 99 means. Mm-hmm. It's I got to kill myself. 
to you guys to run free, basically. And it's named after Clone 99. Obviously, they are Clone Force 99, but they were named after Clone 99, who was the original clone who was genetically modified, if you will. But instead, his genetic modifications didn't really help him. He was all crippled and disabled and stuff like that. But he ended up helping win a battle by basically sacrificing himself. And as a result, he's something of like a folk hero among all the clones. Remember, there was the bar mm-hmm. earlier in this season where they were all at. It's called the 99. Again, this is all named after this one clone. And Clone Force 99 is named after him as well. But yeah, Plan 99 is I got to cook myself in order for the rest of you guys to live. And Omega not coming to grips with that reality as he's plummeted to his sure death. And he's like, we gotta go back. We gotta go get him. I'm like, there ain't no going back. It reminded me of Avengers Infinity War when Peter Parker's like, Mr. Stark, I don't feel so good. Mm. And it's like, ah, shit, I know what's happening, but this character doesn't quite grasp what's happening. So... This double episode had the funniest McBain bought a ship named Live Forever ever for tech. Uh-huh. Because as they're leaving Pabu, uh-huh. Fijinoa, Wanda Sykes comes up uh-huh. and throws it at him one more time. And Who called it? He has no idea what's happening. Oh yeah, no. He's got zero. <laughs> he is not picking up any of it. And then he does the McLovin in the hallway and runs away. Yep. But Maze, did I not call it like episodes ago? She's there's tension and you laughed. Yeah. I told you they had tension. This was a big episode for I told you so. Yeah. You gotta be feeling pretty good about yourself right now. I felt great. I felt great. But I didn't feel great about tech dying. I didn't see that coming. Now here's the interesting part, Maze. And I know our recap this week is a little weird, but we decided we're just gonna go broad. It's a double episode. We can't go every bit by bit because we got Mando to talk about as well. Maze, here's the part where I thought it was really interesting. This is gonna sound crazy. This episode reminded me of Carlito's way. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Please go on, I mean. Because in Carlito's way. Carlito, played by Al Pacino, is an ex-con. He's gotten out. He's gotten out of the drug game. He's gotten out of the game altogether, released from prison, and he's decided he wants to go straight. He wants to go legitimate. Buys the neighborhood nightclub. Into the bar walks John Leguizamo, who plays this character called Benny Blanco from the Bronx. And he knows all about the legend of Carlito. And is like, yo, like, let's get some shit popping, da-da-da. And, and Carlito's like, I don't... I don't do that shit anymore. The kid keeps pressing, and he ends up kicking him out the bar. Kid does some real disrespectful shit, and Carlito's guy wants to kill him, and Carlito says, no, let him go. Symbolizing, look, I've left that life behind of, like, killing people over disrespect and all that shit. Just kick him out the club. But, of course, this comes back full circle at the end of the movie when he's supposed to be escaping right as he's about to get on the train. Benny Blanco walks up to him and says, hey, remember me? Benny Blanco from the Bronx shoots him. Basically, no good deed left unpunished. And he killed Benny Blanco that night when he was disrespectful and acting out and whatever. I let his guy kill him. Benny Blanco wouldn't have been able to kill him at the end of the movie. Similarly, either the first or second episode of season one of The Bad Batch, Order 66 happens and they let Kane and Jairus go, or then known as Caleb Dungo. They go back to Camino. Tarkin's kind of skeptical of them, but he sends them on a mission. 
Clone Force 99. That mission is to go to a certain planet and kill the insurgents there. And when they go to that planet, the insurgents are led by none other than Saw Gerrera. Mm. And when they're there, they realize, yo, this dude is actually kind of a cool dude. Why are we killing him? They let him go. Had they carried out their order, Maze, and killed Saw Gerrera way, way back at the beginning of season one, he wouldn't have been here at the end of season two insisting on blowing up Tarkin's headquarters. And the blowing up of the headquarters blew up the spot and ended up in the death of Tech, Carlito's way. Interesting. All right. I thought you were going to say they should have killed Sid and then Omega would not have been taken <laughs> and they won't have to use their very particular set, set of skills. skills to get her back in season three. It was because Saul lived. Sagara, the insurgent from the beginning of the season. Yeah, from the beginning of the series. Come on, you guys. You guys are unkillable, except for Tech. Very killable. So real quick, though. Yeah. Five mm percent -hmm. chance he's still alive. 10% chance. As soon as I said, man, she doesn't get, he's dead. I was like, oh, please don't do no Star Wars ass shit again, guys. Just let people be dead. Let him be dead. He served his purpose. And they got Echo back. He can hack in the shit. I want to know that when I feel these things, these things, they feel real. Right? I felt sad that Tech died. I wasn't angry. Like, no, that's bullshit. How you gonna kill off my man? Like, I was sad. I felt the loss, man, and I felt Omega's pain. I don't want those feelings to, to be for naught. And so, Dave Filoni, please don't bring this guy back. Not because I don't like him as a character, but I want the loss to mean something. As we mentioned, we're on Tarkin's planet at his headquarters. By the way, Iridu is his home planet. Mm -hmm. That is actually where he's from. And we have the summit, and the summit is a who's who's of all these famous people from around the empire. You've got mm -hmm. obviously Grand Moff Tarkin, although I don't know if he's a Grand Moff yet. Doctor Hemlock is in in attendance because he oversees the advanced science department, and they're doing the cloning stuff. We got Hurst Ramadi. Hurst Ramadi is the guy from Rogue One. Short, bald man who walks up to Tarkin and says, the rebel fleet has arrived. Should we turn our attention to them? And he says, no, focus your fight on the on the surface of the planet. We'll let Lord Vader handle the fleet. And speaking of Rogue One, I mean, who else was there? Looming in the shadows in a chair. It's Krennic. He's there. And they ask him about Project Stardust. And Krennic says, one line, like, yeah, it's cool or some shit like that. I was hoping we would come back to him. We did not. But yes, it was a nice little... Cameo here from Krennic. I like this, right? I like that he's not Phil, the pizza delivery boy from the beginning of the movie. It's just a cameo. It's truly a cameo. Yeah. Because a cameo of someone who would be there. If they were having this summit about all the big, expensive projects that the Empire is undertaking, of course, Project Stardust would be one of those things. I wanted to see Thrawn there. Yeah. But I don't know because, you know, he's an admiral or whatever and not a politician. But no, but Tarkin's an admiral or was an admiral. But these seem like guys that were under Tarkin, right? Yeah. Where Strawn would be more of a peer. This seemed like Tarkin's private little meeting of all the projects that he's got cooking up, you know? Yeah. So we wouldn't want Thrawn in there messing with his business. But I did like how we got some exposition in these episodes that Hemlock and the Advanced Sciences division were from the Republic era and that Palpatine essentially plucked him and stuck him at Mount Tantus 
before the empire was even a thing. Yep. So the idea that he's been working on these cloning projects for a long, long time. Experimenting beyond just cloning, but also like the tinkering, right? Which goes to his need for Nalase and need for Omega. To master cloning, yeah. Yes. Not just cloning, but making it even better. And they need Omega, not because there's something necessarily in her genetic makeup, which there might be, but mostly just to make Nalase happy. And or, as we see later, use her as leverage. Leverage? A female uses leverage. But as we know, as I said, Saw Gerrera infiltrated his thing, tried to kill everybody. Didn't even work because Tarkin has a panic room, apparently. None of it really even mattered. And then he ends up leaving. Obviously, Saw Gerrera leaves him high and dry. Wasn't this classic Saw? Oh, yeah. I mean, they explain it to him in the moment. They say, aren't you just cutting off all of your leads, Saw? Yeah. Shouldn't you be a little more thoughtful and careful? He's like, no, you got to just punch as hard as you can right away. (laughs) And yes, like you said, they didn't even get deep enough to fully destroy the building, the space station, whatever it is. I thought maybe the tower would topple, but no, it Mm -mm. just does some damage. Doesn't take out anybody that important. And then everybody's got to run. Tech dies, but not before fixing the drive on this rail car, but the rail car kind of blasts through and, and crashes on the other side, and Omega's knocked out. And so she's all shaken up, and they're having to fight and get back on the ship to, to fly away. Hey, let's go to Ord Mantell and go to Sid's to fix Omega up. And I said, why? Weren't they beefing with Sid the last time we talked about Sid? But it's because of AZI. The droid. That's not the only doctor. It's the only underground doctor that they know. Isn't back to tanks a thing in this? They don't have access to that type of stuff. They're on the run. Yeah, I suppose. They're the bad batch. And they go, and of course, Sid sells them out. Like, we were waiting on this shit the whole year long. They get Wrecker first, and then they get Hunter out there, and they tell them to give up the girl, and... He lets her escape. This is the start of a bunch of Indiana Jones things, right? And Indiana Jones in the Last Crusade, they're trying to get the map off of him, and he says, it's it's gone. I gave it to Brody. And it's like, oh, we'll just catch him. I'm like, huh, with any luck? You know, he's three continents from here now. Mm-hmm. You're never going to catch him. He speaks all the languages. He's a chameleon. He'll blend in. And then cut to Brody in the middle of the town. Does anyone speak English? As he's looking for, for someone to give him a ride or whatever. And I thought of the same thing. Like, he tells Omega, the hell out of here. Go, go, go. And he gives a speech about she's gone. You won't catch her, da, da, da. And cut to, she is right there. I'm like, you stupid ass. Mm -hmm. What are you doing? And then cut to another Indiana Jones reference. As they're marching these guys out to be taken to Mount Tantus, Omega from the top of a building calls out to him while aiming a weapon. That's like Indiana Jones Raiders of the Lost Ark. Remember when they're carrying the Ark to the site where they're going to do the ceremony? Mm-hmm. And he's up above with the rocket launcher. Let him go or I'll blow everything up. And much like that, they call her bluff. And next thing you know, there's a bunch of clone commando troopers that surround her. They grab her. Echo shows up. Freeze Hunter. Freeze Wrecker. They beat up some people, but not before they can stop Hemlock taking Omega where she gets to Mount Tantus, and Nala says there, and she's like, what's going on? And she sees Crosshair, and then she sees the one doctor, what's her name? Emery Carr. And it turns out she's a clone! I knew it! I called it! I told you! I knew it! 
took her glasses off like she's all that and suddenly she's a clone look exactly like omega and sounds like her too and she says i'm your sister and i said i'm fucking right bow before me then roll credits season three of the bad batch saving omega don't do it in the first episode for crying out loud make it last like text death <laughs> Draw it out for us. Make us bleed. Well, there you have it, folks. Excellent. I was on the brink of being like, maybe I don't want to watch this. And they brought me all the way back in with these two maids. I mean, woof. Yeah, it was good. This was the best episodes of the season besides Clone Conspiracy. I'm with you. Folks, I want to talk to you about life and how things change and how they usually change for the better. Look, five years ago, I didn't have a podcast with my dad. Now I do. Five years ago, I didn't talk a lot on this show. And now I talk way more than people would like. So life is always changing. I'm sure in your life, you have examples of the same exact thing. But you know that one thing that hasn't changed? The great taste of Miller Lite. They keep it simple. Undebatable quality. Great taste. Only 96 calories. It's the beer that strips away everything you don't need and holds on to what matters most. A light beer that tastes like beer. Less filling and only 96 calories. The original light beer since 1975. You don't have to choose what's best. Miller Lite has great taste and is less filling. Tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com slash crate. Or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories per 12 ounces. Fewer calories and carbs than premium regular beer. The pirate. I wonder who the pirate is. Yeah. After parking his ship... Outside of Navarro for, I don't know, a week or something, not doing anything. Suddenly they attack. We start on Navarro. We see the IG statue that's all defiled now because Mando's a weirdo and wanted just one droid for this that he ended up not even needing. He took it out, beat it up, and didn't put it back. Carl Weathers his ass off as he's talking about moving the trade district and city planning, basically. Oh, high magistrate jargon. Yes, a lot of jargon. The highest of jargon. His droid assistant comes in and says, pirates, what should I do? Should I just you know pay them or whatever? And I love it because Greek Cargo says, no, if we buy them off, that'll set a bad precedent. But there's also several moments in this episode that allude to how he's grown as a legitimate leader. Yeah. In the past, he just paid them off. But now he's like, no, 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 we can't do it that way. We've got to do it the right way. And Pirate King Gorian Shard's plan is just to blow up the town that he wants. My note here is Gorian Shard is kind of ass off. Okay. It's a terrible plan, though. Gorian Shard is pissed that they killed his men. But not that pissed because he waited a week. Cargo responds, he shot first, which of course is a reference to Han shot first from episode four, A New Hope of Star Wars when he meets with Greedo in the bar. So George went back and changed it after the fact so that Greedo shot first. Yes. Because he wanted to make Han a better guy. A more noble guy, yes. Gorian Shard tells him you're no longer under the protection of Moff Gideon. Of course, it's going back to Giancarlo Esposito's character, which in season one, it was an empire outpost, Navarro. And then he says the New Republic can't even protect the mid-rim from the pirate nation. That's badass. Because core planets, Hosnian Prime and Coruscant or whatever, that's like civilization. That's like the big cities, right? And then like the mid-rim is like the suburbs. So it's like, it's still good. It's still safe. And then outer rim, like Navarro, like Jakku. The boonies. Nobody gives a shit about you people. Lawlessness 
is the way of life. So he's saying basically the new republic is so weak, they can't even protect places that actually deserve protection, let alone this shithole. And then he tells Karga, this isn't Sabak. You can't bluff your way out of this. Mm. And I like that line too. Gorian Shard was ass off, man. I was like, well done. Kind of mad that he dies in this episode. Spoiler alert. What the pirates start attacking and all that shit, people going crazy. And the droid comes in and tells Grief, hey, uh, the escape pod's ready. Again, alluding to Grief Karga's past life. He's mm. like, yeah, he would have ditched everybody. But Grief Karga is a high magistrate. He's a man of honor. And he says, no, we got to evacuate. I'm not going to leave the city. I got to make sure all the townsfolk are okay. So what does high magistrate Grief Karga do? He calls Captain Carson Tiva. Yes, our friend in the X-Wing who pulled over Mando for a speeding ticket and has made a couple appearances. And he wants help from the New Republic. And we cut to a beach and some Star Wars rock and roll. And I said, this is Vietnam right here, right? Oh, man. Yep. We're seeing all the sights. That's for sure. And we come up on this army bar on the beach. And our guy, Carson Tiva, at the bar. Did you see who else is at the bar, Maze? I thought I saw someone I recognized in the back, but then... They didn't talk, so I don't know. When the bartender comes and says, you have a call, and brings him the hollow deck thing, they're in the background of the scene. In the foreground, it is Dave Filoni, Deborah Chow, and Rick Famuyu. Oh, nice. Because they were all X-Wing pilots in season one. And so it stands to reason that they're all hanging out at this- Ah, uh, yes. Dave Filoni's signature cowboy hat. And the hat. I was just like, come on, man. <laughs> You can't be that obvious with it. They got cowboy hats in Star Wars now? <laughs> well, Cat Bane wears one. That's true. Grief Karga's message comes through, and I said, Maze, did you notice that anytime Grief Karga talks on the phone, he's always hands on the hips. Ass off. Ass completely off. If you don't know what we're talking about, Cinephobe, listen to it wherever you get podcasts. It's a great show. One of the awards we give out, ass off, that's for the actor who did the best job, just acted their ass off, literally. And we named it after Carl Weathers because he's delivered some of the most memorable and some of the greatest acting performances in all of Cinephobe history. So Carson Tiva watches this, and in comes my guy Zeb Aurelios from Rebels and Maze for the second time in one day of Star Wars viewing. Amino hasn't got emotional. Just by seeing Zeb, that does it to you. Oh, Zeb, Zeb's in this. And then I looked at him and was like, oh, he looks older. They aged him up. Yeah, like this is a long time after when we saw him in Rebels. And I was like, oh, he survived. There was wars and shit, man. And this dude survived all of it, being an endangered species and everything. It's the same feeling, again, going back to Rogue One, when they're on Yavin 4, Jin Erso and Cassian Andor are about to steal this ship, and they're walking out, and you hear the PA say, General Sundula, General Sundula. Mm -hmm. I remember feeling that tinge of emotion. I was like, she got promoted. Good for her. Mm -hmm. Like Peter Griffin, I was like, good for you. I just very quietly talking to myself. So the same thing. I was like, oh, man, this dude is here, and he's part of this thing, and he's alive, and he's older. Wow. And then I regretted not watching it with my kids. I want to see their reaction when they see him because I know they'll be pretty happy about that. Do you think that he'll be back in Ahsoka? Yes. If he's here, that means he's absolutely back. So this is just a tease. This is a tease. For what's to come with live action Zeb. I mean, if we're getting Sabine and we're getting Hera and we're getting Ezra Bridger, 
Come on, man. We got to get the band back together. You got to get my man Zeb in there. Tiba basically says, what do you think? And Zeb gives him like, I don't know. I don't know if they're going to go for this. So Tiba goes to Coruscant, goes to headquarters. They can't ignore his face. And he goes to go holler at Colonel Ladies Man. It's Tim Meadows. He's guest starring as Colonel Tuttle. Tuttle, Tuttle. Yeah. And guess who's in the office, I mean? It's the haircut, Elliot Kane. Oh, that little kiss-ass Elliot Kane. She's everywhere on Coruscant. I thought this was a big planet, but she's exactly where she needs to be all the time. He explains the situation to Colonel Ladies Man, and Colonel Ladies Man hits him with a lot of New Republic bureaucracy. It's going to be tough. We don't have a A lot lot of people people in line. Registered planets. We can't be skipping them to help out Navarro. Because Kane says they're not a chartered planet. She's the one that snitches. And when she says that, my man looks at her shirt and sees her pin from the amnesty program. And then we get some confirmation that Moff Gideon did, in fact, escape and is not dead. Yep, yep. Colonel Ladies Man tells him, yo, man, this isn't a rebellion anymore. We have to have a structure now. Tiva gets mad and he says, you're listening to this one. She's an imp. And she says, hey, I was liberated. They're really keeping her involved. So clearly the other shoe's going to drop with her plans because every time we go to Coruscant, we see her. So Captain Tiva takes it into his own hands. He's going to go around the bureaucracy. And how is he going to do that? He's going to go to the Mandalorian covert. And how did he find them? Well, that's because they've got an old friend from the Resistance, R5-D4, the coward droid. I must point out, as he's descending down, I said, Bo-Katan, you can't park that shit here. Big-ass ship that's known by name across the galaxy. Get that shit into a cave somewhere or something. Whatever it takes to get them off this goddamn planet. I mean, because when they talk, the Mandalorians say... Oh man, you blew our cover. Now we have to go. As if getting attacked week after week by giant creatures and losing Mandalorians in combat is not enough reason to go. We also had a brief scene where Grief Karga is telling people, townspeople evacuated to the highlands and he says, help is on the way. And a disembodied voice says, how soon? And I laughed. (laughs) I laughed. Don't worry, the New Republic has got this. We just have to live in this cave until then. Works for the Mandalorians. Mm -hmm. The Mandalorians all keep calling him Blue. And apparently it's because he's Blue Squadron. But I didn't see any identifying patches, so I don't know. Tells Mando that, yo, your boy Grief Karga is the one that made this request. And that's when Mando remembers to tell him, oh yeah, Grief Karga, he offered me a tract of land. Maybe we could take everybody there. We don't have to live like this. (laughs) Maybe we don't have to live in in a (laughs) cave anymore. And he says, perhaps it is time for us the biggest, most dangerous badasses who live, eat, sleep, breathe, shit war Mm -hmm. to maybe not hide like cowards, live out in the open. Maybe shoot enemies instead of the water. So they have a talking stick meeting. Everyone's sitting there and Mando's basically calling the arms. He passes the talking stick to Paz Vizsla. And he film noirs us. Takes a long walk down a pier and says that he doesn't really like in and he doesn't really like Bo-Katan, but just like West Man Tooth and Anchorman, God damn it, I respect you. They help save his son, Ragnar. And so he agrees to support them. Do you know why? Why did he agree? Because we're Mandalorians! Ah, uh, yeah! 
So I want to pause here and address some stuff that was circulating from last week. So I think Ragnar is a foundling. And if I understand correctly, foundling essentially means adopted. Yes, they're orphans. So I thought that he was a foundling, but a lot of people on the internet are wondering if this is Paz Vizsla's biological son. Right. And how Mandalorians have sex. And so I want to pose that question to you, I mean. How do Mandalorians get down? Well, first of all, it's the children of the watch that we're talking about. We're not talking about all Mandalorians. Okay. But also, when it comes to all Mandalorians, the rule is you can't take your helmet off. He never said anything about any other part of you. See, I was imagining a Beskar sheet with a hole in it. Um, I was thinking about Calvin and Hobbes, where he goes to a restaurant and sees a sign that says, no shoes, no shirt, no service, and says... But they didn't say anything about pants. And then the next box, it's like he's sitting on his couch and he's upset. It's like hypocrisy or whatever. <laughs> so same thing. They said no helmet. You can't take off the helmet. They didn't say nothing else about anything else. So there you go. Maze, I wanted to say that, you know, as we're having this talking stick scene, the ADR murmuring is terrible. <laughs> it was distracting. It was that bad. Every time anyone would say something... It was like the family guy bits when they're just doing it to be, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I agree, I agree, that, that sounds good. Oh, no, I don't know about that. That's what it sounded like. It was just terrible. But they all agree to do it. And next thing you know, we see the two ships, Naboo Starfighter and the Gauntlet, flying side by side in hyperspace. And Maze, I think that's the first time I've ever seen that. Mm, yeah, normally it's just the one at a time. Even in The Last Jedi... When all the ships are doing it, yeah. You don't see them side by side. Because hyperspace is always like a tunnel, so it's weird to think that two ships could get in the same tunnel, but there you go. Uh, we get some nice game plan exposition from bo here. She's the offensive coordinator of this Children of the Watch sect. She's drawing up all the plays in the dirt. Meanwhile, the pirates are being assholes. They're looting. They're getting drunk. They're shooting at the Kowakian monkey lizards, which are the salacious crumb ones. Yep. I did make a note here. Very diverse group for the pirates, though. Yeah. I enjoyed that. We talked about that when they first showed up. They got lots of representation from all over the map. I guess that's what happens when your pirate king is a green algae alien that no one's ever seen before. We dropped team one. We dropped team two. It was a pretty dope-ass shot as we're having all this dog fighting and the Mandalorians are flying down in their jetpacks. One Mandalorian there says, Team 2 moving towards the courtyard. And I heard his voice and then, he's black. <laughs> We've got a black Mandalorian. Well, we'll never find out because the helmet's not coming off. Well, well, no. well, we'll see how that goes. Team Two's boxed in, yada, yada, yada. I did not like the effects of Paz Vizsla dropping from the air. Mm -hmm. It was very like Mary Poppins. You got to stop about nine or eight feet above the ground and just drop his ass for real. I mean, that suit has got to be heavy. We talked about this when they are climbing the mountain. Like, yeah. Paz Vizsla is a heavyweight. And yes, there's a turret in Grief Cargo's office. The armorer gets behind it, does some hammering. They take possession of the town. Paz Vizsla with some point-blank heavy artillery. Like, he lands with that Gatling gun and just shoots people like 12 feet away. Yeah. Meanwhile, in the dogfight, Mando's cooking these pirates... The one pirate, Vane, said, he's above you. He's below you. And I laughed at that. Mm -hmm. Gorian is getting his ass whooped. But then he does the weird move of focusing the fire on the townspeople, who, by the way, don't try to escape at all. 
They just stay there as he's lighting their asses up. And I ask, what's the end game here, Gorian? As you only have one engine left and your guy's telling you to leave, your Ugnaught homie. What's the end game, Spence? Well, the end game is that Gorian gets shot out and he crashes and he dies. There you go. The little droid fixing aliens from Rise of Skywalker say, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And I laughed at that. The Anzellans. Grief Karga decrees here. You guys get this land from here to Bullock Canyon or whatever. The armor summons Bo-Katan and she talks her at the old forge that they had when they used to live in Navarro. And she does a lot of reminiscence, right? Mm -hmm. Super reminiscent about the forge on Mandalore and this and that and the other. And this is a long way of her basically crowning Bo-Katan's ass saying, oh, you saw the Mythosaur. You're the one who walks in both worlds. You are both secular and orthodox like us. Mm -hmm. You're the one who's meant to lead us. And I was like, does that mean she's got to fight Din Djarin now? That's what I thought was going to happen because we haven't talked about the Darksaber at all in a while. But no! And it seems like no. Looks like the Mythosaur is an exemption or some sort of fast pass at Disneyland. Well, I didn't get the sense that she was crowning Bo-Katan right here. She kind of crowned her ass. Essentially saying, go do the recruiting to bring everybody together. And that's why I'll let you take your helmet off. I think that's coming. I think the crowning or the, the duel or whatever. She said she's going to lead us. She's the one to lead us. Unite us, not lead us. She's the one who can unite us. So I said, oh, they just want to retake Mandalore. Okay. Bo-Katan is now helmetless again. We get to see Katie Sackhoff's pretty face one more time. And I thought that was the end of the episode. Wrong. Wrong. I got it wrong. As we see Captain Tiva and his sole X-Wing just flying around in the middle of space, he comes up on a car wreck. Excuse me, a Lambda shuttle wreck. Mm -hmm. It's all broken down. The glass is broken and he radios it in. And it turns out this is the one that was carrying Moff Gideon and everybody on board is dead. And as he does a little scan, and I started thinking about Event Horizon. Yep, with the light show coming out of the probe. Uh-huh. We discover there's some remnants of Beskar, and the people who broke Moff Gideon out were Mandalorians. And roll credits. Okay. So, misdirect, frame job, or a rival sect? What do you think it is, I mean? Well, I think rival sets make sense, and I think it could be Bo-Katan's people that sold her out. Gotcha. Okay. I really didn't see that coming. I was like, oh, okay, we'll see how this goes. So presumably, if it is a rival sect of Mandalorians, they broke Gideon out and then used his firepower to go attack Calavella and blow up her castle. Yes, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> it was definitely a cliffhanger that left me saying, wait, what? But at least now I think we have some stakes. The storylines are starting to come together. The escape of Moff Gideon, Double Agent Kane, Mandalorians all coming together, and all of this leading up to something. I'm excited to see where it goes, Maze. And now, from here on out, we've got one Star Wars thing to review each week. It's going to make life a lot easier, I believe. But only three episodes to go. It's been so long since we had a break from this, man. You know what? I won't lie, man. Kind of need a breather before we get back in for Ahsoka. Need to get back in the back to tank, I mean. I do. I really do. Uh, final thoughts, Maze, on these either Bad Batch or Mandalorian. The action was pretty solid here. Like I said when we talked about the trailer, the shot of them dropping out with their jetpacks was pretty cool. I was hoping for a little more aerial combat than that, but 
overall enjoyed the Mandalorian scene, really enjoyed these bad batch episodes. Wish that they were more consistently at that level, but I understand why it's not. This was a light Grogu episode. I don't think there was really any Grogu shenanigans that went down. No shenanigans. Trying to think of what I want to see more of. I want to see Bo challenged in for the Darksaber. That's what I want in the next three episodes. I mean, you know what? I think the only way you can get him to fight is that she's got to try to kill Grogu. Yeah, but she likes him now. I know, man, but you want this Darksaber or not? <laughs> mm. You know? Is there any other Mandalorians out there that we might see when Bo-Katan goes recruiting that you know of? Well, they're the ones from season two, the one that was played by Sasha Banks. So maybe Sasha Banks will be back. Uh, Yeah, I'm sure we'll see some repeat offenders there. As far as older Mandalorians, Sabine Wren. Again, we've already seen Zebrilios make an appearance. Maybe Sabine Wren makes an appearance too. We know that she's alive and she's going to be in the Soka series. They do tend to use these series to launch other people and other things. So maybe that's a great way to like let people know, okay, this is Sabine Wren, whatever, whatever. I wonder if any Death Watch people are still around because they would be the ones most likely to act in an evil fashion, right? Mm-hmm. We'll see. I like where we're setting up some stakes here. Make sure you are tweeting us at CornPuzzle at Darth Bean. Any of your theories on Bad Batch, on... Mandalorian on Ahsoka on who's alive who's going to be around this was a really fun fun day this might have been the only time in these double episodes maze where we got the goods from both shows Mm -hmm. on the same day so I'm happy we're going out on that note I'm also happy that next week it'll be one thing to focus on because your boy is famished and and tired right now (laughs) been recording literally 12 straight hours other than the two hours where I watched (laughs) the Cinephobe movie. (laughs) There you go. Till next time, remember, this isn't a rebellion anymore. We have a structure now. Folks, I want to talk to you about life and how things change and how they usually change for the better. Look, five years ago, I didn't have a podcast with my dad. Now I do. Five years ago, I didn't talk a lot on this show, and now I talk way more than people would like. So life is always changing. I'm sure in your life, you have examples of the same exact thing. But you know that one thing that hasn't changed? The great taste of Miller Lite. They keep it simple. Undebatable quality. Great taste. Only 96 calories. It's the beer that strips away everything you don't need, and holds on to what matters most. A light beer that tastes like beer. Less filling and only 96 calories. The original light beer since 1975. You don't have to choose what's best. Miller Lite has great taste and is less filling. Tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com crate.
or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories per 12 ounces. Fewer calories and carbs than premium regular beer.